Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Jesus, we love you. Every time that we gather in this place, wherever we find ourselves, you are Lord. You walked into Jerusalem so long ago on a Palm Sunday, and we can't help but take into consideration what that meant for you, but ultimately what it means for us. You walked into a place of danger. You walked ultimately to your death, but on this day we celebrate you because you are worthy of our praise. We shout Hosanna like the people of old because we need your help. We need your touch. We need your kingdom to be real. So God, on this Palm Sunday, may we come in contact with you yet again. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I want you to actually take a seat if you can. And I'm going to invite my friend Brooklyn to join me. Because at church, it is good not just to sing and to worship and praise. Come on up here, Brooklyn. But also to read scripture. And so, if you're ready for this, my friend Brooklyn is going to give us some psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Brooklyn, well done. How old are you? Five. Come on. If you are five or older, you better start memorizing some scripture, all right? Brooklyn, thank you. I, uh, we can have this conversation. You cool with me talking to you for a second? Is that all right? Is that cool? I, th- I wonder, when Jesus rode into town on that donkey so long ago to Jerusalem, and he knew he was going to head to the cross, I bet he even had Psalm 23 in the back of his mind. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because God is with me. You have reminded us of that today, Brooklyn, and I want to say thank you. This is your fan club. They love you. All right. Are you ready? Can I, can I have you maybe lead the way for all the kids following Miss Rachel heading next door to the kids' lesson of the day? Are you cool with that? All right. Pound it one more time. Bam. Thank you, Brooklyn. If you are a kid in the house, you can follow Rachel, our kids team. If you're a student in the house, maybe don't jump off. I'll come over here. Let's do this, this is the stair thing. It'll be good. No accidents today, all right? But if you're a student, if you're a kid, you can head next door. And uh, if you want to stand once more time, give an a elbow bump, a fist bump. If you want more coffee, we will continue service in about 30 seconds. Say hello to someone.
and greet them. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Refuge. Man, I don't know how I feel about following such an amazing act. I'm glad that I'm not the one preaching today. <laughs> oh, she's such a blessing. It's so good to see all of you guys here today and all of you who are watching us and joining us online. And a uh, special thank you to our hosts who are helping us out with the chat online today. If you have kids and you are online, don't worry. We did not forget about you because we actually have some activities where you can check us out on our website and there should be uh, a little link or or a web address that shows up on the screen and so you can go and check that out either they can want do that on a different screen during service or they you can do it as a family after service we are just so glad that you are joining us today and for those of you who are here in person live or online if this is your first time joining us we want to specially welcome you we would love to connect with you and so if you have your Phone, you can just open up your camera app and you can scan the code to connect with us and we you can let us know who a little bit about who you are we would love to call you or email you or text you and uh, if we are able to safely uh, get together for coffee our pastors love coffee and so we would love a chance to take you out if we if we can um, and we would love for you to get to know us a little bit and you can check us out at refugeoc.com weekly and you can see all of the things that we have going on here at refuge there's a few exciting things though that I especially want to tell you about today and that is number one we have a youth lock-in coming up in April and so if you have junior high and high schoolers you're going to want to check that out uh, that is going to be so much fun, and we're going to have a safe event for them here at the church. It's going to be really awesome. We also have Royal Family Kids Camp. How many of you guys have been involved in Royal Family Kids Camp in the past? It is an awesome way for us to reach out to those kids who are in our community in the foster care system, and this year, we got the go-ahead to be able to have camp again, and so we are so excited, and we would love for you guys to get involved, so you can do that by uh, scanning a QR code, or you can see Yuli after service. She's going to be around. She would love to talk to you, let you know how you can apply and, and answer any questions that you may have. But today is Palm Sunday, which means next week is... Easter! Oh my gosh, we are so excited because next week we're going to do something that we have not done in a long, long time. We are going to have two services. And so we want you to join us both in person and safely online at 9 a.m. or 10.30. And we're going to have such an amazing time celebrating. It is the time that we have been preparing the last six weeks for, and we just really want you to be a part of that. And so we hope that you can join us next Sunday. Two services. You can choose whichever one works best for you. Uh, we will have nursery and kids at both services. We will have youth at the second service. So if you want to keep that in mind when you're making your Easter plans, but we cannot wait to celebrate with you. And so without further ado, I can't wait for you guys to hear what Pastor Brenton has in store for you as we continue leading up and preparing for Easter. You have my Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. Um, Isabella, I know you're on the computer. If you don't mind throwing the Royal Family Kids Camp one back up real quick, if I can just 
add my weight to this one because we just got the green light to go ahead on this. And so you may have that week open or you may even consider saying, hey, I want to take a week off work to be a blessing to a bunch of foster care kids. But you can imagine what our lead team is going through knowing that we just got the green light and we've got to pull camp off because typically we would have started a lot of the preparations back in November, December, and January. And we're already at the end of March. And so in order to pull camp off by the time June rolls around, it's going to take a lot. And so if you want to get that phone app out and like just scan that thing, it may not be you, but it may be someone that you know. And some of you wrote in some complaints last year. You're like, oh, I really hated that long application process. We put it online and we made it super easy. It takes about an average of seven minutes to fill out the application as an adult counselor and staff member. And so it's super easy. There's two forms that you'll see on there. One is for a new counselor, new staff member, and then also for a returner. So if you're coming back and joining the, uh, the refuge team again, it's even quicker than that. But six, seven minutes on average gets us enough information to get you on the list. That doesn't mean we're locking you in for life. Just that you're raising your hand saying, hey, I want to be a blessing to a bunch of foster care kids. This is one of our best opportunities to love our community as we really go after some of the foster care kids that we have come to love. Last year, we got to see them twice. We sent our team out to just go bless them with gifts around summertime, and you remember how weird and crazy summertime was? But we also got to see them in December. They came by, and these kids showed up, and like there were so many tears that day because we got to hand gifts to kids that we haven't seen forever. And some of them are moving, and they've been in second, third, fourth home since the last time we saw them at camp two years ago. So we want to make sure camp happens, and we would love to have your help. So there you go. That's my one pastoral pitch of the day. Okay, and yes, I am. Just, just like let's set the record straight. I am wearing a, a shirt with um, you know, pineapples on it because when I think about palm trees, I think of pineapples, and it's Palm Sunday. So that's how I got there when I chose this shirt. So let's just put it out there. Let's just call it what it is, and let's move on, okay? No, no more comments, worship team. Um, so if we could, uh, <laughs> if, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. We are going to look at the classic story of Jesus going into Jerusalem. This is called the triumphal entry day. This is Palm Sunday when he showed up and he rode a donkey. We have heard this if you've been around church for any amount of time. Perhaps it's even familiar for some of you who are like, Scripture is not really my thing. But this is the one story, actually there's a couple of them, but this is this one story gets told by all four gospel writers. So the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the ones that have the task of telling the story of Jesus. Sometimes they tell the same stories, and sometimes they just tell their own stories. This story gets told in all four of them. We're going to look at the short one today. This is the book of John. John gets it done in five verses. And you're not opposed to that because the world's moving so fast. We're like, we don't have time for the other verses. Let's just get the five in. There, if I read for you the reading of the day in the lectionary, for Mark, that's like two chapters long. So I'm giving you five verses right now. So go ahead and put on the comment card how happy you are right now. It's just five verses, all right? So the storyline goes, we're going to read it, and then I just want to unpack a few things about what happens in the book of John as he's describing Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Here we go. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, and again, just five verses long. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. 
They took palm branches. Side note, John is one of the few of the gospel writers that actually mentions it being palms. The other gospel writers just mention it being um, vegetation of some, some sort. They took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. And as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And at first, his disciples did understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him? All right, that's it. The five verses. We get the storyline. It's a good refresher of the events of the day. Other gospel writers will go into more detail about how Jesus sent his disciples into the little village to get that colt that was tied and to untie it and to bring it so that Jesus could write it and to f- follow along the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9. If you read the Old Testament, you hear that's where it's going to happen. So there's more details in the other gospel writers, but John goes right into the details. And he wants you to know that as Jesus approached Jerusalem that day, that's the details of the story. But there are some things in here that caught my eye this week as I was studying it. Things that I have not seen before. And even as I've done extra study this week, I went down rabbit holes that you would not believe. It would take a lot longer than the sermon that we're going to talk about today because of all the information that's out there. Let's talk real quick about the first verse that we get, chapter 12, or chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd. Okay, some of us have been to crowds before. We've seen this happen. You can imagine the setting of the day if you're in Jerusalem. This is Passover week. This is why there was a great crowd that day when Jesus showed up. Actually, Passover began yesterday, even today in our culture of 2021. So if you have a Jewish friend, you might know someone who's going to be celebrating the week of Passover, and it's in place right now. And it's in place For Jesus, when he shows up that day, because the crowd had gathered. And if you were a good Jewish person, you would have had on your agenda that at least one time in your life, you want to make sure that you go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. That's like a life goal. Like you put it up on your list. You're like, hey, is this the year that we're going to go to Jerusalem and celebrate Passover? Because they would have had that as a family life goal. And so the crowd swells at Passover time in Jerusalem, a city that had tens of thousands of people living there, swelled. And most scholars would say that it gets to about two to 300,000 people would gather in Jerusalem, and they're all Jewish people. And remember, the Jewish people are not in charge. It's the Romans in charge of the time. So the Jewish people are descending on this city that is so important to them, and they want to celebrate Passover. So this is why there's a great crowd that day that Jesus walks into town on a donkey. I said this week in our team meeting, I said, Jesus walked in on a donkey, and the team goes, well, what was the donkey doing? I said, that's not how the joke goes, okay? You have to follow that one along. Jesus walks into town on a donkey, and there's a great crowd. There's a Jewish historian, a guy named Josephus. He even says, and remember, he has no dog in the fight about the Jesus story. He is a good Jew to the core, And he wants to tell the history. And you can go read his histories. It's called the Antiquities. He even suggests that some Passovers would see more than 2 million people show up. Now, scholars are like, I don't know, did Josephus just embellish the facts? But regardless, it's a huge amount of people 
in an ancient Near Eastern town. Could they have survived? Probably. You can imagine there's no room in the inn. And we're not even telling that story right now. People are living on the side of the road. It's springtime. It's not super rainy. And if it rains, it just passes through. So people are staying on the side of the road. They have little encampments. There's this place, if you head down from the east side into Jerusalem, you come across a place called the Kidron Valley, which is a little valley area that opens up into Jerusalem. And scholars would say that's where the people would have slept because it would have been so nice. So this great crowd, I just want you to have that in your mind. Great crowd. As we continue to move on. They're there for the festival, which is the Passover festival. All right, they took palm branches. Now this is fun. Okay, we've got to have a little bit of geography real quick. Let's go to a map. You guys cool with maps today? Here's the deal with a the map. There's a couple ways to enter Jerusalem. Here is basically a viewpoint, whether it's on your screen, you're watching online, or you're here live, you can see behind me. This is... At the time of Jesus, this would have been Israel. You can see, perhaps, and I know it's zoomed out, you'll see some names that are familiar to you. But I took it to the next step and go to the next map, if you don't mind, Isabella. There's one that has some circles, red circles and red arrows, pointing out a few cities that I want to kind of help you understand that are important to this story. Because when Jesus shows up and when he goes into Jerusalem, he is coming from the east. He is not coming from the west. And it tells us that he was in the area of Galilee, which is all the way in the north. Now, you can take the coastal route, which is right by the Mediterranean Sea, and then you can enter Jerusalem on the west. Or you take the internal route. It's much like trying to make the choice, when I go to Northern California, do I take the 1, the 101 the whole time, or do I take the 5? It depends on how much time you have, correct? We know how this works. So if you're in Galilee in the north and you need to get to Jerusalem, you are either going to take the coastal route on the west or you're going to take the internal eastern route. Because Jesus enters town from Bethpage and Bethany, which we know that from other gospel writers, he's coming from the east. There's another person that enters town weeks before from the west, and his name is Pilate. We know him because we'll encounter him next week in the story of Jesus when he is before Pilate, and Pilate's the one who offers the Jews the chance to condemn Jesus to death. So Pilate's the governor. So when he shows up in a town weeks prior to Palm Sunday, what we know as Palm Sunday, he is showing up with power. He rode in on a horse. He rode in with legions, perhaps, of Roman soldiers because he wants to make sure that at Passover time, when the city's populace swells, there's going to be no uprising. Because you can't have the Roman Empire if you're not good at being the emperor and squashing rebellions left and right. This is what Caesar got really good at doing. So he paid off his people, whether you are a little vassal king off in some area of the empire or perhaps you're a governor like Pilate. So Pilate's going to come down the western route, the coastal route, and he's going to enter. He starts in an area called Caesarea, which I think is circled on your map. Caesarea, take the coastal route, and he's going to enter from the west. But Jesus, when he shows up, coming from Galilee down the internal route, is eventually going to enter Jerusalem from the east. And I even take one more map image, and you can go into peer closer to how Jesus showed up that day. This is the triumphal entry route of Jesus into Jerusalem. Because we know from the other gospel writers, in addition to John, that Jesus will have moments in Bethany and Bethpage, and that's where he sends the disciples with the call, go get the colt that is tied. And if the owner says anything to you, just tell them that the Lord needs it. And I'm like, does that work? That's like 
these aren't the droids you're looking for kind of moment. That's what Jesus does. He just impresses them. He's like, if the owner wants to know what you're doing, just tell them that the Lord is telling you to do it. You're like, that's going to clear it up, Jesus? Is there going to be no question after that? So when Jesus enters town, he comes from the west. Just have that in your mind as we understand what's going on here. Okay, back to the passage. Go to verse 13. If you look in there, they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now, if you're like me, I come to Palm Sunday, and I'm the guy who grew up going to church as a kid, and they would always hand out palms to you. There were people who were greeting you this morning that had ideas of going next door and other places down the street here on Glacelle or Palmyra and just grabbing palm trees. And I said, just don't take ours. Take our neighbors. Is that cool? I'm just kidding. But I got these like little palm fronds as a kid. I'm not sure if you've ever shown up at church and they've handed these things to you. And we're not doing palm fronds this year because it's a high-touch society and we just don't want to do that. We want to like make sure that the palms don't you know, give you COVID. Um, so... But I got these palm fronds as a kid, and I would do everything in my power to make it through a service and not be bored. And so I would take the palm frond, and I would just make designs. Whether it's a star, it's like something. If I messed up, I would grab some friend who wasn't using theirs or the old lady in front of me who wasn't using hers either, and she just left it by her, and I would just grab it from that one. Be like, look at me. I'm going to make some design. Like I'm doing origami in church. Because I've always thought, well, Palm Sunday, it's the day that Jesus rides into town. They're just laying palms down because that's what they did when rulers came to town. This week, I came across something, and some of you might already be aware of this. I came across something in my study of this week, this this week passage. It blew my mind. Because the palm tree, it's not just a nice plant. It's a symbol of revolution. For 200 years before Jesus came into town that day, the Jewish people had been using the palm tree as a symbol of their revolt against the empire. Can you imagine what that meant? It's like that would have been their shirt or their hat or the flag that they waved. Because the palm tree, for them, 200 years before, there was a family known as the Maccabees, the Maccabean Revolt. These people wanted to go against the empire of the day and say, you cannot rule us. We are Jewish people. We're God's chosen people. So for the 200 years since then, every time that you come across a palm tree, it has nationalistic identity. It matters to the Jewish people who are gathered at Passover The crowd has swelled in size. They want a revolution, and they are palpable at that moment. They need a king to show up and do something. And they've heard stories about this Jesus guy who goes around and heals people. But they're wondering, is he the one that's going to do it? They went so far as they would even mint coins with the palm tree on it. I think I have even a couple of coins for you to see. This is from the Maccabean, and the Bar Kokhba revolt. Like, it's one thing you're like, yeah, we like it. It's a cool image. We can throw it on our socials. But you're like, I'm going to mint some coins? Like, you got to be committed to that image. The palm tree meant something that day. They hoped that Jesus would show up and finally oust the empire. So that's the setting of the day. 
Doesn't that carry a little bit more meaning than Jesus, Jesus walking in with a donkey and people are throwing, like, I always thought because there was, like, puddles. Literally, that's what I thought. Like, they're trying to keep them dry. You know, like, let's throw the, the cloaks on the ground or the palm trees on the ground. Let's make sure that Jesus doesn't get dirty because he's Jesus and everything. No, no, no. They threw the palm trees down because finally there's going to be someone who's going to take on the empire. That is the setting of the day as we read the story. Then verse 14 Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Now, if you're going to be a king, you don't choose a donkey. There's a phrase out there. There's a saying. I don't know if you've done this. I don't teach this to my kids. I'm not saying that you should either. But you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You understand this phrase? You've got to be prepared. You don't bring a donkey to a horse race. Okay, Jesus? Like, obviously, this guy didn't know what he was doing. Why in the world would he choose a donkey? he knew exactly what he was doing. You remember the map? Pilate is coming from the west down the coastal route, and he's coming with power to squash any rebellion of the Jews. Jesus is coming down the interior part of the country. He's going to enter from the east, and the crowd wants a revolution. It's like showing up at the capital to have a revolution. Oh, wait, they were at the capital. It's Jerusalem. There's a lot more going on here. Why in the world would he choose a donkey? I always wonder, does Jesus know the scriptures from the past? And we, we assume Jesus is like, you know, he's human and God, so he knows everything. You know, like, it's like the kid at Sunday school who's, you know, just Jesus is always the answer, right? Like, well, how, what's two plus two? I don't know, Jesus. Like, why do you say Jesus? Well, he's always the right answer, right? Isn't that what my Sunday school teacher taught me? So we assume that Jesus always knows things. I wonder if he knew the scripture from the past that said he's got to enter town on a donkey. Because the, the setting, the quote that gets told to us by every gospel writer is that he is referencing what Zechariah, the prophet from the Old Testament, says. You go to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and it tells us that your king is coming on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. But we stopped there. We're like, Jesus, you did your thing. You did it. High five. Yeah, you did the imagery from the Old Testament. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing that day when he walked into town on a donkey. Because he doesn't show up on a horse. He doesn't show up with power. He shows up instead in a place of humility. You don't show up on a donkey. People who ride donkeys, even in that day, were like kings and princes that wanted to approach a city and let them know full out that they're coming in peace. It's like waving the white flag. That's what Jesus is doing when he's coming in. Not in a place of surrender, but he comes in peace. So when he rides into town on that donkey, he is not showing up like Pilate did weeks before. He shows up fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament. But if we just stop at verse 9 of Zechariah, and I'll let you go read that later today when you're doing your Sunday afternoon reading. The rest of that chapter is all about how the kingdom that God is putting in place is going to get rid of the war horses and the chariots and the swords and all of the instruments of war. That's what Jesus is referencing when he comes into town on a donkey. There's way more going on than we can ever understand. And verse 15 says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That's the reference to Zechariah chapter 9. 
and verse 16. This is where we end today. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. And I want to say, add me to the list. Because there are times that Jesus acts that I don't understand what he's doing. Because you don't, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You don't bring the donkey to a horse race. There's sayings out there that go things like, well, that's just how the world is. Perhaps you've even caught yourself saying that or thinking that or feeling that. As if everything that the world is doing is just how it's supposed to be. But when we consider the kingdom that God is putting in place, he wants to show us a different way. So that's why you bring a donkey to a horse race. Because you want to come in peace. And if you and me, we read this passage today, and we're like, well, that's a great history lesson, Brenton. What in the world am I supposed to do with that? Besides tell people that they put palm trees on coins and they were out for revolution. Because there's always a power differential when it comes to Jesus. He knows how the world is going to act and how the world is going to pull us into its ways. And Jesus is saying, let me show you a better way. Let me show you what the kingdom is supposed to look like. Because when you go and you encounter opposition, when you are in life and you are up against a rock and a hard place, whatever the phrase is for you that works, when we're in a place right now where we don't understand how it's all going to work or there have been things that have happened in the past year that we don't particularly like and we assume that the world is against us, or the powers that be are always going to be that way, or it's always that political party's fault, or that political party's fault. And Jesus shows up on a donkey, and we're like, Jesus, get off the donkey, wave the palm tree, and put us in power, because if you gave us power, we would finally be able to see you come. And Jesus is like, that's not how it's going to work. Because he always shows up on a donkey when you're supposed to be riding a horse. So what does it really mean, though, for you and me? Because we're tempted to use the world's tactics to approach our life in a way that says, I've got to go after that. Meaning, if I can explain some things to you, is the world says you're supposed to just make sure that you have a really big bank account. Or the world says you're supposed to fight your way to make sure that you can get your agenda done. And I'm not here proposing that all you're supposed to do is become a wet blanket and just like let people walk over you. But there is something uniquely powerful about a person, a person who is committed to the ways of the king. I would say when push comes to shove, I am not going to lean into the way of the world. I'm going to lean into the ways of the kingdom. Because you and I have all seen, we've all had these moments where we have seen and tasted the kingdom. What does it look like? It looks like when someone gives forgiveness and they shouldn't have. They didn't have to. Or when someone chooses not to fight because they are choosing to follow the way of the king. And I don't know what it looks like for you, but this week, it happened on Wednesday. I tell stories about my kids all the time. 
someone on our team said, every time you tell a story about your kid, you should pay them a dollar. And I said, fine, if I name them by name. Wednesday morning was not a good morning in our house. It was a very bad morning in our house. It was very t- I don't know if you've had these kinds of mornings. I don't know if everything looks golden from your angle. But all the wheels were coming off the cart. And one child one child was not um, not super kind. And I decided to meet that child where they were at and bring my not kindness to the party. So if she was going to bring whatever she brought, I was going to bring it more. So I showed up with anger and I was yelling. And I, wa- I wanted to get across to her that I may be right, but I'm also the dad, so that makes me double right. Sometimes you're right because it's just right. Sometimes you're right because you're the parent. It doesn't necessarily make you right, but you're right because you're the parent. You get it? Like you pay the bills, things like that. You wash the clothes, you wash the dishes, all that kind of, we all understand this phenomenon. Just wait till you have kids. It'll be amazing. What she brought to the party that day was not good, but I wanted to get my point across. So I brought it even worse. I don't know if you had this moment where um, you instantly feel bad about what you just did. But I felt like I was on the right track because she was crying. I was like, yes, that is what I wanted to get out of her. And then, uh, you know, we had to settle down enough to be able to get in the cars to get kids to school. You know that, how that goes down? And my wife said to me, I don't know if what you just did is what you wanted to do. I don't know if you want to use your full weight as as a dad to do that. (laughs) I was hit across the head that day with just the reality that the world will tell me that if I'm more powerful, then I have more control. But what I should have brought was the donkey to the horse race. And remember in that moment that my role as a dad, even though I can be right and be the dad, and perhaps sometimes they get together, that I don't have to push her into a place of such tears and submission or whatever it is. And you don't need to know the details of the story to get the story. But how often in the other parts of my life do I feel like, well, because I'm in charge or because I'm more powerful or because I... I can get away with it or whatever it is. And I don't have the kingdom in mind in transitions and translations and moments with other people where you're like, ah, I can be right. I can push my agenda and I can be right. And God's saying, I could have showed up that day on a horse, but I didn't. I chose to show up that day on a donkey because I want to give you an, an, a glimpse of what does it mean to when the crowd, when the world is telling you, get more and more power. And if you can just occupy more power as Christians, then everything will be fine. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Watch what can happen when the kingdom is at play and peace reigns. And that's super convicting. Because I want to win. 
I want to be more powerful. Because that's what the world tells me. And when I come across the king who dared to come into town on a donkey, first thought I have is, you didn't do it right. You should have done it with more power. And Jesus says, watch me. Follow me. And watch the power that I have with humility. Watch the power that I have when the kingdom is at work. When forgiveness is offered and it shouldn't be. When gentleness and grace is on the table when we should have put those things at bay. When that interaction that you had with someone, and it's always a someone, I don't know who it is for you, but when that, that interaction goes bad and you had that last thing to say or that zinger in your mind that you were going to just mic drop and leave, have you? I don't know, if, is it just me? I have these moments. I have these mental conversations with people as if I have won the day and I'm like Seacrest out. Like, I, oh, just, okay. Do you understand? We want to win so hard and we want to put people in a place and may, perhaps you're just better people than me. But I want to assume that we're all in this together, that we have the way of the world constantly pulling us. And Jesus is saying, watch what happens when I come into town on a donkey and not a horse. And some people are like, well, he loses, right? Doesn't he go to the cross that week? Probably for some moments he loses. But we're also able to say, does he really? Because apparently we're still talking about him. And we're not talking about Pilate as much. Or Caesar. Or any other power brokers in town. Because Jesus' way, his kingdom, way more inviting. I want to invite the worship team to come join me. Because I want us to finish this day with some worship to let perhaps the scriptures of our day sink into your soul and allow us to leave this place wherever you're heading this week to be challenged with the idea that you go in the way of the king and the way of the king is the donkey and not the horse it's humility not from a place of choosing power from the place of the kingdom and that is a better place to be all the time so pray with me Jesus we don't always get you we would count ourselves with friends of your disciples because they didn't get you at times either and they tried to take stock of what was happening as the crowd was calling for something and you said no it's going to be a different way so God, I pray that in our 2021 selves today, as we head into the world that you've called us to live, that we would be your followers. So much so that we take you from this place and point you out to the world that is around us. So in our interactions with family members and friends, with our interactions with coworkers, with neighbors, with people that genuinely get on our nerves and we want to write them off as no possible way that you love them. And you are reminding us the way of the kingdom is a way towards humility and love and peace and righteousness and justice. That's what you were about. So may this week be one where we see that reality come into play. May we see the world change because you are allowing us to participate in what you're doing. We're so glad you rode into town that week. 
And if we're honest with ourselves, we're so glad you did it on a donkey. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, stand with them. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.